Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Hello, everyone. This is Captain Jim Palmer, the dream business coach. I am like super beyond excited about my guest today, a longtime friend of mine, um, Diane Gardner. She is your tax coach and or she should be. <laughs> I'm going to read her official bio. Diane Gardner, your tax coach, is a best-selling author and a Quilly Award recipient. She's also a certified tax coach and an enrolled agent. Diane's expertise lies in the area of tax planning. Her goal is to make sure successful entrepreneurs across the United States are paying the least amount of income tax that they can legally pay. Let that sink in. As a tax coach, she offers a free tax analysis for those interested in finding out if they're overpaying their income taxes you are, <laughs> so don't make that a question mark. Her goal is to save taxes one business at a time through the use of proactive tax planning. Diane is also a believer in the mastermind and coaching concepts. She leads the Business Breakthrough Mastermind Group and offers coaching services to other entrepreneurs. She's also been a coaching client of mine for years in my dream business mastermind. In her spare time, Diane enjoys writing books. Her books are available on her website and on Amazon, her book, Stop Overpaying Your Taxes, is a compilation of actual case studies from her clients, which makes this book a very good read. I loved it. I poured through it one night. It was just amazing. And yes, the names and other private information have been changed, just like that old FBI TV show. Names have been changed to protect the innocent. But um, the other thing, uh, family is just super important to Diane. She is uh, proudly, happily married to her husband, Mike. She's also, she also has a daughter and a grandson whom she adores. Loves seeing Diane on uh, Facebook. Diane's love of the outdoors often leads her outside for family camping, Dutch oven cooking, walks in the woods, bonfires, and picnics. She's an active, uh, she is active in her church and gives God the glory for all of her accomplishments and success. Being community-minded, she is active in several local chambers of commerce and serves on the board of Twin Lakes Friends Camp. That's the official bio. My personal bio, Diane Gardner is that rare individual who no matter how much success she achieves, no matter how many people she helps through her own brilliance and, and genius, as my friend Melanie would say, through her genius, she has literally saved her clients millions of dollars. And no matter how, how many best-selling books she has and everything else, she is the most grounded, most personable woman you would ever meet. She's a dear friend of mine. Diane, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful, Jim. How about you? I'm also doing good. As you and I are doing this um, interview, I think we're a few weeks out. So we're about 60 days out from Dream Business Academy. And I asked you to come on today. Uh, I've interviewed you at least two or three times before, but um, you, you have graciously accepted my invitation to come back to Dream Business Academy and share some of what we're going to be talking about in a much bigger way here on the podcast, how to keep more of your money legally. 
Jim, this is such an awesome year because of all the major changes that Congress made in our tax law back in December. We have so many new opportunities to work with this year. Few challenges, but a lot of new opportunities. And so it's exciting to go back and revisit this topic again because now it's relevant. People are really wondering, they're wondering what this new law, what its effect is, is going to be on them. And it's been a great door opener for having some awesome conversations. So when I had you speak at Dream Business Academy, New England, um, <clears throat> I know, because you know, one of my sayings and one of my banners is gross is for net, I mean, gross is for vanity, nets for sanity. So it is more about what you keep. And I thought having you come and speak with everything you can do to help people keep more would be amazing. And so just this a little truth telling. I was like, people want to come to a business conference and hear from an accountant on taxes. And I was like, I knew you're awesome, but I also wondered if that would be a connection. Well, I heard so many great things from the people at, at Dream Business Academy New England. I said, man, I got to get Diane back. I guess people are more in tune to, <laughs> to this conversation. Um, I got so much I want to pack into this um, half hour, Diane, but I always like to start a little bit on background. Um, are you a first generation entrepreneur? Did you have a parent or grandparent kind of show you the way or are you the first generation? I am first generation. My dad was an electrician who worked uh, for one of the big mining companies in northern Idaho. And my mom, for the most part, was a stay at home mom. She worked a little bit of retail here and there through over the years. But this was something new in our family for me to branch off and, and go into business for myself. And so when you went to college, I assume you went to college and, you know, for accounting, et cetera. And when you came out, did you start working for somebody else or did you immediately start a business? No, I started working for somebody else uh -huh. and realized that that just wasn't going to work for me. Okay. Um, I, I wasn't happy with the way things were going in that company and I thought I could do a better job. And so I branched out on my own after just a few years and made a lot of mistakes along the way. But boy, have I learned a huge education since then. And so folks, Diane is, uh, the only reason Diane could be on my show when, as we're recording this is she is at her office super early and I don't think anybody's there to answer the phones. So we'll just let that go, don't worry about it. So when you started your business, to, I mean, 30, 60 days later, were you just an amazing uh, success? Were you one of these overnight successes? <laughs> 35 years later, I'm an overnight success. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Tell us about the, tell us about the 35 in, a, in, a, in about two or three minutes, if you could. Tell us the journey from when you started, what you thought your business would be like, aka, I'm a CPA, everybody's going to come say, hey, can you do my taxes to where you are now? I, I was, oh, it was so funny looking back at what I, how I started. I started out doing bookkeeping and taxes for people with the thought if I just hung my little shingle out there, they'd all come flooding in. Well, we all know that doesn't happen. Right. Along the way, I went through a major earthquake, which leveled about half of our town. And that pretty much almost put me out of business. I ended up selling to another accountant, another accountant who was moving into the area. He bought my business and a couple others at that point in time. And that gave me the opportunity to come home to Idaho, where I thought I would start small and just be a pretty much a part-time mom and get to work from home. Well, that didn't work out, and I found myself having to get very serious about building a business and supporting my daughter and myself, and headed down the road here again, really not knowing what to do. Accountants don't know anything about marketing, for the most part, and really didn't know how to build this business, and then along came the recession, 
not too long after I headed out on the journey for the second go around. And during that time period is when I found out about specializing and picking a niche that you can work in. And even though in my area nobody was making any money, I knew that there was other areas across the country where people were making money. And they were making money as a result of the recession. And so I was able to change my mindset from being a small town accountant to somebody who works uh, clear across the country. I now have clients in probably 35 or 40 states. And we specialize in proactive tax planning. And it's really cool because I now get to work with the cream of the crop. I, I get to handpick the clients that I work with and have met some wonderful people virtually and a few of them in person. And it has been an amazing journey, something I never would have dreamed on, but God had bigger plans than I did. That's so cool. So, you know, I do, um, I do a little Facebook Live most mornings from my captain's chair up there. And this morning I did one um, called Before You Quit. Uh, look at your marketing. And really, I just told a quick story of when I had my first business, which was a local business. I was looking in my mindset was I got to go to chamber events and get clients locally. And I'm willing to drive half an hour, an hour. And that my whole business was built in my mind about where, who I wanted to work with within my little geographic area until I, you know, discovered GKIC, Dan Kennedy, internet marketing and all that in 2006. And all of a sudden, you know, like you, I started having clients all over the United States and nine countries. My second business, No Hassle Newsletters, had clients all over the place. So what, what led to that mind shift that all of a sudden you don't have to be local just because you're in Idaho? Well, Jim, I had just bought my first office building, which was subsequently is um, being rented to an, uh, an attorney's office, and we've bought our second office building. But we had just bought the first office building in 2007 at the height of the market. Here along comes 2008 and 2009, and I am literally hanging on by my fingernails. I don't want to lay off my staff. They're all depending on a paycheck. What am I going to do? And at that point, I had that epiphany that says, if you don't do something different, you're going to lose everything. And I had to step so far outside of my comfort zone, really get in and dig. I thought I was doing tax planning with my clients, but I really wasn't. I was just dabbling in it. And so I had to take the deep dive and then I had to get brave enough to stand up and talk in front of people. And that did not come easy for me, but I'm <laughs> learning how to do it. <laughs> and it's not as traumatic as it used to be. And then I had to take the next step, which was stop looking in the small pond. I live in a small town of about 6,000 people. I had to start expanding my borders. And I thought that meant just go to the next town, but that wasn't working so well either. And one of my coaches said, you're gonna have to put on a headset and hop on the internet. And I went, what? <laughs> and so I started out with getting a couple books under my belt and becoming a best-selling author. So I had some credibility and then going from there into doing some seminars and webinars and podcast interviews and all that scary type stuff that now I think is fun. You know, it's such a great, and that's something else we had both had in common. We we're both really nervous about speaking and doing interviews. And I think it's fair to say we're both 
kind of behind the scenes. People find that hard to believe if they look at either of us today, like what, you're shy, you'd rather, you know, but um, it's really a requirement for, for growing your business in a big way. Let's, let's zero in on tax planning. When somebody hears that term, I remember when I first heard it, it was either from you or, or one of my other um, clients at tax planning, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, you got your quarterly taxes. You, you know, you mean something very different when you say tax planning. Can you give a, a brief description of that? Oh, you bet. Tax planning in my world means sitting down with you, Jim, taking a look at your last couple years tax returns, having a conversation that almost always gives me more insight on what's going on with your business life, your dreams, your goals, your desires, and then developing a plan around that that allows us to use your tax savings, because I know you've been overpaying your taxes, using your tax savings to help fund that future plan of where you're wanting to go. I've got clients that want to get out of debt. I've got clients that have bought commercial buildings, clients that have built their dream home, clients that have paid for uh, college educations for their children, all through tax savings. So it's all money that they were giving to the government and now they're using it in their business. They're still paying their taxes, but they're only paying what they're legally having to pay and they're no longer giving the IRS that huge tip that they used to be giving them. Oh, I love the way you say it, the huge tip. You know, when, um, let me ask you this, has any client that you've ever, <clears throat> excuse me, that's ever engaged with you for tax planning, has there ever been a client that was not overpaying their taxes? None that I have engaged in tax planning. I have looked at several tax returns, well, many tax returns that come in and all they have is a W-2. Well, okay. if all they have is a W-2, I can't do anything to help them, mm -hmm. you know, basically. But if they own a business, uh, there is, I can't think of anybody who's not overpaying in some way. It might be small or it might be humongous. You have on your website, which is um, tax coach for you, tax coach, the number four for you, um, it says, I have saved clients in taxes so far $1,767,928. You're approaching the $2 million mark. That's crazy. Uh, are there, what would be either the, the top three or the top five? I don't know how long it'll take you to go through this, but I'm thinking like, what's the top three or five things um, which are indicators that you discover when you're doing tax planning? Well, the first thing I zero in on is their entity type, especially under the new tax law, because it's changed our rules for how we were looking at entity types previously. And there generally is a lot of money left on the table if businesses are operating in certain entity types. Uh, we now have this new qualified business income deduction that's brand new. This is the first year, and it acts differently in different entity types. So it gives us a whole new factor to take a look at that we didn't even think about before. Um, I'm also looking for basic things like uh, riding off their vehicle, picking up your mileage. There's so many people that, that just put tens of thousands of miles on their vehicles every year. And half of them that I talk to don't even have a mileage log. They oh weren't, gosh. nobody even talked to them about that. And so they were leaving money on the table. You're filling up that vehicle every time you get in it. And so that one has been a big one over the years, which really has surprised me. I thought, come on, in today's world, there's an app for that. And they all, you know, run in and out. You'd be surprised how many aren't. Another one we look at is hiring your kids. There's a ton of entrepreneurs out there who are paying for private schools and colleges for their children. And their children are old enough that they can work in their business. 
well, let's stick them in your business, have them do something for your business, pay them a wage, and use that money to pay for the private school or the college tuition, and write it off through your business. So I, I use that one fairly often because there's so many people that fit that particular um, little area. Another one is looking at your medical, out-of-pocket medical costs. Is there a way we can write them off in your business? A lot of times there are. So we're, those are just some of the, you know, the really hot buttons that I look for. And retirement planning. Um, it's amazing how many entrepreneurs have not given any thought to that part of their life. And so we'll look at that area as well. So those are just probably the first few, couple places that I look at when I look at a tax return. So the entity type is one. I know that's a big one. So a lot of people when they're starting out just goes the route of sole proprietor or something like that. But um, are, are you, are, for most, well, there's probably no right answer for this, but S-Corp, that, that's probably the pr preferred way to go these days? Maybe. It all depends under this new tax law. Before, okay. I would have said yes. But now under the new tax law, we have that with that new qualified business income deduction, I now have to run a, a separate whole new analysis to see if we can pick up enough tax savings through the S-Corp versus maybe leaving them where they are and picking up that new QBI deduction. And so now I have to say it depends. It's way more complicated than it was last year. Okay. And probably a big one, I know just for me and my age, just having turned 60, retirement planning has been on my mind for the last 10 years. <laughs> and um, you're bit, you own a business, but your business can help you with that, can choose to m do matching, matching funds and probably a lot of different things, right? You bet, yes. And a lot of it's tied into how much salary you're paying yourself because there are certain limits. So it just kind of depends. There's, there's so many different types of retirement programs that you can participate in. And depending on your entity type, your age, the amount of salary you're taking, your net profit, then we go into an analysis of here's some suggestions of what might be a better way to do what you're doing. And then usually we'll try to help pair you up with somebody who can help you accomplish that goal that you're working for in, you know, for retirement purposes. Diane, one of the... Um one of your awesome books is called 10 Most Expensive Tax Mistakes That Cost You Thousands. Did you write that primarily for business owners because that's kind of your main niche or is that a book for, for anybody? That one is primarily for business owners. And on my website, there are a few niche versions. There's one for real estate professionals. There's one for um, contractors. There's one for medical professionals. As we've worked with different industries, uh, it's been advantageous to break it out and give some examples that really pertain more to their industries. Okay. Can you share maybe two or three of those, the 10 most expensive mistakes? Those are going to come back to those things like the entity type, making sure that we're getting our business meals. We have brand new rules this year for meals and entertainment, making sure that people are aware of those and they're recording things correctly because we don't want any big surprises when it comes tax time and they realize that, what do you mean I can't write this off now, but I've always written it off, those types of things. Making sure again that we're picking up the auto deduction for your vehicles, making sure we're picking, we're looking at home office. We have so many people working from home with all the internet businesses now. Uh, are we looking at that area? Are we looking again at the retirement planning? Um, are we just making sure that, that we've gone through and 
looking for things that I normally see within certain industries. Um, I had an appointment last week with a gal who's a real estate broker. And there was four or five different things on her tax return that I always see on my real estate related people and they weren't on her tax return. And so I brought those up in the conversation. So she was going to go back and talk to her accountant and find out what happened to them because they just weren't there. And so looking for a lot of that type of stuff when we're looking at tax returns. That's cool. So when you, um, when people are thinking about the entity type is, I, I know when I started in business, I think, you know, you, you start and you go, well, let's see if this even works before you jump into being a corporation, LLC or whatever. So I think for two years I was a sole proprietor and then I switched, but is there a general timetable when people should look at that? Usually I see people starting as a sole proprietor and once they start making a decent amount of profit, they start getting up in that 40 or $50,000 net profit range then it really starts making sense to look at different entities. Sometimes it make, makes sense way before, depending on the type of business that they're doing, because they might need that other entity for liability protection. And some states, LLCs offer better liability protection than, than an S-Corp or a C-Corp does. So it depends on what state they're in as to how those conversations will play out. That's so cool. There's so much. Um... I want to switch gears, just go back to the marketing because you've, I mean, you've created such amazing success for yourself. And as you said, you're in this kind of a tiny town. When, what was some of the marketing? And I know you said you, you've learned to get comfortable speaking, et cetera. What was some of the other things that you started doing to, to market your business, get you seen by more people other than the, you know, the, the, the few people going down main street, so to speak? Well, probably the scariest thing I ever did was writing a book and putting my name on it and putting it out there for everybody to see because I'm very naturally, I'm very quiet and, and, and pretty much an introvert and to have to put my name on something. I even got brave enough to put my picture on it and stick it out there for other people <laughs> to read it and possibly critique it. You know how that is because you put books out there. That's a scary first step. It's super I, scary. Yeah, I was pushed and pushed and pushed. In fact, I remember one of your Dream Business Academies, how we were challenged to write a book in 60 days. And so that was, in fact, at that academy is when I made the um, commitment to write the Stop Overpaying Your Taxes book. And that was super scary to actually show case studies from my own clients and be able to share that information out there, knowing that other people were going to read it and are they going to look at that and go, that's dumb, you know, because I, don't, I didn't have a lot of confidence back then. And, you know, so just taking the risk on putting, writing a book and putting your name on it and putting it out there was pretty scary. Yep. You know, I've, I've always shared my first book took 18 months and I say, well, it actually took me 12 months to write it and six months to get up the courage to publish it. Yes. Oh, yeah. That was, that was the biggest thing was to push that button the first time it went out there on a website or on Amazon. Because once you push the button, there was no going back. You were committed. In those days, yeah. Because, you know, I think my first order was 2,500 books. There was no create space and other print on demand. Back then, you actually had a garage full of books, you know. Um, I still have a bunch of those from some of the very first books that I wrote. Oh, that's funny. On a shelf back here, I think there's still a few hundred of um, Stand Apart was my very first book. And there's a few hundred of those sitting out there yet. 
Like, oh, well, that was an expensive first order. Well, we got about five minutes left. So um, I want to ask one more question, then circle back to DBA, where you're going to be uh, speaking on our, on our stage. Um, so marketing, becoming an author, what, can you, what were two other things, one or two other things that you really had to, you know, um, step up as like say, I stepped up because you're tired of slow to no growth. What were maybe a couple other things that you did? Well, once I became an author, then my business coaches started pushing me to start talking about the topic. And that was enough to just about put me over the edge. But after a lot of um, prayer and thought, it's like, okay, you can do this. You know you can do this. And so that's when I first started doing my, my very first presentations, which I know at the beginning, I'm sure they were pathetically awful. And I'm <laughs> glad they're not recorded anywhere <laughs> because I would not want to watch them now. That'd be painful. And that's also when I started jumping on podcast interviews, being interviewed on other people's shows. And those were very, very uncomfortable. I remember my very, very first uh, podcast interview was with a fellow friend of ours, um, Adam Homey. Yeah. And studying my little heart out, I had all these pages and pages and pages of notes, and he didn't ask me any of the questions from me. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I about lost it because I was so scared that he was going to ask me something I didn't know the answer to. And so now I was like, okay, whatever they ask me, I'll come up with an answer. But at the beginning, I was terrified. So if I can do it, anybody can do it. Diane, in the last, say, five to 10 years, how many people have ever reached out by phone, email, social media, or in commenting any, any place and said, Diane, this book sucks. Diane, you, you missed a comma on page 137. Diane, you have no right to be sharing your expertise. Go learn how to do an interview. Has, <laughs> has that ever happened? No, it hasn't. No, everybody has reached out and said, wow, I can't believe you wrote a book. Um, this is great stuff. I read it and I'm thinking, you really read it? Okay. <laughs> so yeah, it's been pretty amazing. So, um, as I said, you, you're coming back to Dream Business Academy, which I'm thrilled for. And um, your, your presentation is how to stop overpaying your taxes. And um, let me just make sure I got that right. Yeah. Uh, how to stop overpaying your taxes and keep more of what you earn. And one thing I always tell people, would you, would you like to have a, a, a business that grosses half a million dollars and you make 80? Or would you rather have a business that grosses 180000 and you keep 120? <laughs> it really is about net. So um, give everybody just a quick snapshot of what you're going to be teaching them um, at Dream Business Academy San Diego. Well, in addition to just how to stop overpaying your taxes, I'm going to be talking a bit about this new tax law and how to utilize it for maximum tax savings. There's some really cool items in that law and most of it has people are not aware of because the media is not telling you the good parts in the law. They're only telling you the challenging pieces and they've made a huge deal of that. So we're going to dig into some of the good juicy pieces in that law and talk about how if you just do these little tweaks in your business, you can take advantage of those and have those savings on your side in addition to most of everything else that we've been using over the past several years. So I got a question I don't know the answer to, which means I probably shouldn't ask it, but I'm going to go out on the ledge anyway. <laughs> let's say the average person comes to DBA um, and the, let's see the current Ticket price is four ninety seven. Let's say they spend five hundred dollars in travel, so their investment's a thousand bucks to come. What are the chances? What are the chances that just with your presentation alone, they're going to realize at least that much savings in their business year one? Let alone keep going with with what they learn. Please give me the right answer. 
Well, the right answer is generally, um, Jim, uh, the minimum amount that I save people is three to 5,000. Usually it's more along the lines of 10 to 15,000 a year. Oh my gosh. As my average in tax savings. And so over a three year period, we're somewhere between on the low end, five to 10,000, high end, anywhere from 50 to 100,000, depending well, on your business. See, that's a good answer. And believe me, I did not, she did not know I was going to ask that. And I actually stepped out on the ledge unaware of how great that answer would be. Um, Diane, I am so excited. Um, first of all, I'll talk with you again this morning, but also to um, have you at Dream Business Academy San Diego. I can't wait to see you. Me too. I'm looking so forward to getting caught up again and getting to meet some new people and um, checking out some acquaintances from previous years. And some of them have become really dear friends over the years. That's awesome. So what is a, what's a good website for people to go get your books and, and connect with you for all your, your fantastic interviews? www.taxcoachforyou.com and that's the number four. Awesome. Diane, thank you so much. You're welcome, Jim. We'll see you in September. All right, folks, um, that wraps up this very special interview with superstar uh, tax coach, Diane Gardner. Um, if we're not connected yet at Dream Business Group, which is my free Facebook group, you go to dreambizgroup.com, dreambizgroup.com. Dream Business Academy is dreambusinessacademy.com. And as I'm doing the interview, um, we have either eight or 11 seats left. I always have this little skirmish with my team, how many people are committed, coming, saying they're depositing, whatever. But um, you definitely want to be there. It's an outstanding event, pitch-free zone, lots of learning, some great, great people. Um, until next week, another great interview. I am Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach, and you take good care. Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free Dream Business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. <laughs> See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.